Hi, ciao, this is Giuseppe Camuncoli, a.k.a. Camo from Italy, and you're listening to The Amazing Spider Talk. Too many who know the angles, uncover and untangle All the questions and the webs left out to tangle in Welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavazdan, and I'm the founder and editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. And I'm Mark Ginocchio, founder of Chasing Amazing Blog and an editor at Superior Spider Talk. Hey, Mark, congratulations on running a half marathon this morning. Yeah, I'm feeling really up to talking about Spider-Man and other associated items for the next couple hours. Do I detect a hint of sarcasm <laughs> in your voice? You do not. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us for the third episode of our coverage of Amazing Spider-Man Dead No More, the Clone Conspiracy. (laughs) I'm joking it out. Uh, We hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. Yes. And for this episode of Amazing Spider-Man Dead No More, the Clone Conspiracy. Number three, by Dan Slott and Jim Chung, we'll be talking about that issue, which I will not read out all of the names again, because Dan, who has time for that? Certainly not us. No. Time is money in the podcast universe. So we're going to be talking about that, and then what are we going to be doing, Mark? Well, there there was a uh, a trailer of a certain film, shall we call it? Marvel's Spider-Man Homecoming, co-produced by Sony. That sounds fine <laughs> to me. <laughs> so uh, we'll share our thoughts about that trailer, since I'm sure many of you out there are like, what is Amazing Spider-Talk thinking about that trailer? Awesome. Well, uh, just a warning to everyone listening. As usual, we'll be discussing spoilers for this issue, and there are some pretty big ones, so be warned before listening. Uh, all right, Mark, let's get into it. Dan, Cloak Conspiracy number three. Don't you don't you hate those issues where nothing of any historical significance happens in a comic book? Yeah, I do. But good thing this isn't one of those. Oh, I see what you did there. Oh, reverse. Uh, I just turned it around. See what I well, did? Right. Yeah. 
Well, now I'm going to turn around back on you. You know, Dan, when when we started talking about clone conspiracy, I believe the percentages you used about the uh, man in red being Norman Osborn, I mean, they were kind of like, you know, Hillary beating Trump levels of certainty, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Well, 2016 has been a year for surprises, Mark. (laughs) Yes, Uh, yes. You could say that, except – I remember texting you like six or seven months ago saying, hey, the man in red is wearing scarlet. What if it's Ben Riley? And you were like, that's really stupid. And I was like, I know it is, but it's, that seems to be the logic that we're operating on here. Right, but I, I but I didn't say it was impossible. I just said it was stupid, which, right. <laughs> which as our review is probably going to reveal, um, you know, may not be far from – my ultimate opinion on this. Um, but, um, yeah, so Cloak Conspiracy number three, we learn the um, the identity of the man in red. And, um, you know, to kind of keep with the last few episodes, a quick synopsis, because outside of the big reveal, there wasn't an actual whole lot in terms of plot developments going on. I mean, um, we have uh, Peter and uh, Spider-Gwen from Earth-6-5 still kind of, operating under this um you know partnership here that they have and Gwen kind of being cagey about why she's on Earth 616 in the first place and um you know we're kind of spinning our wheels about that Kane is hanging out with Max Modell and the real Gwen Stacy over at Hor- well not Horizon Labs I guess whatever the 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 successor of Horizon Labs it's a is a university now yeah. Okay. Well, you know, we're we're, we're learning, um, and um, you know, the 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 Horizon Lab team or not Horizon Lab team, um, come up with the um, the brilliant idea to call the authorities in on the new U experimentations on these clones. Uh, of course, the authorities are in bed with um, the conspiracy of the clones. Um, so all hell breaks loose at Horizon. Uh, Peter and Gwen show up. Um, you know, everyone's gone doing other things. Uh, Peter finally has the showdown with the man in red. The man in red is actually kind of keeping pace with uh, Peter physically in terms of uh, dodging and fighting him and everything. And even says at one point, I can do everything you do, Peter. And he can do everything Peter do- can do because he takes off that um what's what's the name of the uh the god that he's trying to be anubis yeah his anubis mask and oh my goodness dan it's not miles warren it's not norman osborne the man in red is ben riley there you go that's the clone and there we have it clone conspiracy number three after 20 something years of absence ben riley the clone after being told by Stephen Wacker, the former editor of the Spider Books, that you will never use Ben Riley again, he is here. He is there. This is the status quo, Dan. Tell me, what do you think? This book kind of uh, 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 goes against two of Stephen Wacker's core principles as an editor, which were we're not bringing back Ben Riley, and anybody that tells me they're going to bring back Uncle Ben. I will laugh them out of my office and tell them to write a different story. And while we don't have Uncle Ben coming back here, the presumption is Uncle Ben's coming back. 
Well, Dan, it's a new world order right now, and for better or for worse, this is what we have to talk about. <laughs> well, Stephen Wacker, where are you? Come back, Wacker. <laughs> well, Your instincts were so spot on. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, um, after having said that, I think, I mean, this is just in comparison to you, I think I'm far more positive on this issue than you are. Uh, and I look forward to the conversation about it. Um, this is the first issue in the clone conspiracy that got me interested in this story. It's way too late, but it's the first one where I go, okay, I see what is interesting about this story. And I think the essence of it is that ending of this issue, the the idea that, you know, Peter is going to get everything he wanted, that no one dies, but there's this kind of twist to it. And and he's finally put in a position where, like, he he really is going to have to turn down a lot to say no uh, to that. And I find that interesting and a worthwhile story to follow through on, even if I don't really understand how we've gotten here. And I'm hopeful that the next issue of Amazing Spider-Man lays that out for me. But I'm actually interested in this story for once, and I think that's a big step up from what we've been getting. Yeah, I mean, I I see what you're saying, and 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 I don't disagree with you. And and even if um, even if Amazing Spider-Man kind of lays some things out, which has kind of been the um, the habit of these ASM issues that come out in between these clone conspiracies is it kind of like ties up all the loose ends from clone conspiracy. I mean, you know, Dan, at, at the end of the day, uh, you know, I'm a, not to be crude, I'm a whore for character. And, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, we, we, we have all these dramatic reveals and, and, and twists and turns. And, you know, all I'm getting stuck on is like, you know, you you alluded to it like none of this really makes sense that we are where we are and and even if there is a painstaking amount of attention paid to trying to explain it i just as someone who read a lot of the comics involving ben riley in the 90s and over and over again because i'm kind of the uh the resident clone saga uh i don't want to say expert but because you know, <laughs> apologists, yes, that great, great word. Um, you know, I, 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 this, this all feels very foreign for you, for me. I mean, you know, before we, we started talking online, I mean, I made a joke that, you know, I don't feel that the man in red is Ben Riley. He's like Len Miley or something like this is not, this is not who this character is. And it, you know, it's dramatic and, you know, on my review on our website, Dan, I talked about like, hey, you know, like this is the first genuine surprise, um, which is really cool that we finally have something in a Dan Slot comic where I was genuinely surprised, regardless of the buzz about Ben Riley possibly being the man in red. Um, yet at the same token, like, does this make sense and does this work and should he be the man in red and does this create more questions than answers? And like, that's my problem. It's, it's to me, this creates more of a mess than if it was just miles Warren, or if it was just Norman Osborne, as you 
suggested initially because it's like, you know, why is Ben Riley the focal point of what is essentially an evil plot that's going to doom the world? Because that's not Ben Riley had nothing to do with that. Ben Riley was, as we discussed in our last essential episode, he was he was the 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 vagabond on the road he wasn't a a mastermind (laughs) so um that's the thing i really don't get about this issue and about the issues prior is that if it was ben all along and i have i don't know some questions about that even like why in previous issues we saw glasses on the man in red with his mask off um whether that's a a, an error from the artist or not i'm not sure of but even in this issue, Ben's talking about like avoiding government oversight. He refers to himself as a mad scientist and says, "Remember when being a mad scientist was actually about science?" You know, and right, uh, right. And he speaks in like jackal speak. You know, this kind of like Joker esque, you know, jokiness. Right. You know, and um, and he teases Jonah about like reviving his father. Like, I'm not going to do that. You're asking too much. Like, why is he a supervillain? And maybe we'll find that out. But it is, you know, and I, I, I want to wait and see, you know, like. Right. Uh, and, it, and, I, and I guess my attitude is you can wait and see, but why are we, we're either going to answer that question with something that I feel betrays the character or. We're not going to answer that question and we're going to pretend these issues don't exist. Like, I, I, I guess that's that's where it's hard for me to kind of like resolve that. I, I, I just don't know what could have possibly happened between Ben dying the ultimate heroic sacrificial death in Peter Parker, Spider-Man number 75 when he when the goblin was was revived back in. 1997, (laughs) Um, you know, what could have possibly happened with him being transformed into clone goo (laughs) or, you know, that would make us get to this point now. And, and I, I just, you know, no amount of justification or explanation is really going to make me say, okay, yeah, you're right. That makes sense. I'm on board. And, and if that makes me one of those fans that won't, kind of move past stupid, stubborn things about comics when they were young and this is how Spider-Man should be. I apologize, but that's that's where I'm at right now. I, I, I feel like I'll I'll give these chances and I'll operate within the rules of this world, but at the end of the day I'm like, hey, this isn't Ben Riley. Stop. Yeah. I I I I think I'm still more willing to give it the benefit of the doubt. I expect I'll be disappointed like you will be. But I, I, I'm curious at the very least. Um, and I, I kind of – you know, there's something about a guy who died by melting into goo, suddenly finding himself reborn, you know, finding something in giving that ability to others who have suffered a similar fate. Um, I, I don't know. I mean I think – I don't think it's, it would be too difficult to connect the dots between, you know, a guy who died a horrible death – trying to allow others to revive their loved ones. To, to have Ben Riley act like a supervillain is going to take uh, a little more 
convincing on on my part. And I and um, I guess the bigger question that I have about Ben Riley is what he knows about his plan, because going back to like Jerry Salteres or whatever, the guy who got the mm-hmm. organ transplant, we saw him like dissolved in a tank. Okay. Um, in this issue, you've got Captain Stacy saying to all the revised supervillains, if you don't stay out of the shadows, you know, if you don't, you know, if, if you misbehave, you're not getting your pills tonight. What do what does Ben and Captain Stacy and all of them know about the clone gen- degeneration process and these zombies? Because I'm a little confused about how all that works out and what they do and don't know. Because clearly Jerry has dissolved. Do you not turn into a zombie if you just had an organ transplant? Um, like. There's fear about pills and, and things like that, but do they, has nobody dissolved yet to the point of becoming a zombie? Um, because if Ben knows about that, then he's truly being a supervillain. But if he doesn't, then he still thinks he's on the up and up, um, despite the kind of weird vo- uh, uh, vocalization of him being a mad scientist or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's the vocalization of him being a mad scientist, Dan. But also keep in mind, he's like he's aligning himself with bad people. I mean, the 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 new Electro, we'll just call her Electro since we don't want to call her Electra. They <laughs> for call her Francine throughout the book. Francine. Yeah, I mean, she's a killer, and yet he continues to like not only align with her but like you know there's this kind of very super villainy you know you quote complex super villainy angle to it of i need you to take care of this for me but no killing this time i i i mean you know again ben riley wouldn't align with a killer yeah I, I mean, it's just it's I I cannot I cannot reconcile that. Does this fall I mean, in line with like you and like Iron Man during Civil War, where like he recruited supervillains to do his b- deeds? It's like he would never do that. Yeah, well, and we had that conversation during the Civil War episode. Yeah. I mean, it's like you know, I get that you got a great story that you got to tell, and oh man, isn't it cool that. Ben Riley, not only is he back, but he's the he's the conspirator here, and that's a really great concept on paper. But 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 when you actually have to put the machinations into motion here, it it, it doesn't work. And and how do you resolve that? And and you know, I, I I hate to be so cynical, but you know, for the last couple of years. Dan Slott has not inspired confidence in me to make me go to give him the benefit of the doubt. And when you start like taking account, I mean, you know, Ben, who is Ben Riley? Ben Riley is Peter Parker. That's he's Peter Parker who has some of the, you know, some of the optimism I feel of Peter Parker that had been there for years kind of beaten out of him by the fact that he was like, you know, not a reject, but he he was on his own and he didn't have the love of Mary Jane and Aunt May. And, 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 and that's, you know, that's what makes the character different and a little edgier. This is not 
what we're being presented with here. Uh, you know, it's, 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 you know, if we're going to get an explanation as to why he's so different, it's going to take a heck of a lot of more than just one issue to explain it. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, I want to know why he was operating in the shadows. Why, why all this subterfuge? Why all these crazy plans? Why? I don't know. It's, I mean, you're right. There's a lot of questions. It is, it it is endlessly more confusing. And for a third issue of a five issue series, like, although now just the other day they announced there's going to be an Omega issue. So, (laughs) you know, they're going to try to extend this thing as long as they can. Um, But yeah, I mean, I agree. I just, I, I do think the place that it puts us is interesting um yeah if and, if they can pay it off like if they can write the check to make this work it's a really interesting place to be I, I i will definitely not dismiss that i i i think that i mean i i do think given the current plot and just the general overall state of affairs with the spider office right now i'm I, i'm interested to see what ben riley in this universe can do but given what i've been presented with so far that's what gives me doubt and and dan like you know i also in, in and i talked about this in my review like you know we're talking at the end of the day about two, three pages of this comic, you know, all the stuff leading up to that reveal, I feel like we're still dealing with the problems that we've been talking about for two, three, four, five episodes now in terms of clone conspiracy, dead no more, whatever you want to call it. Um, You know, the first, like the first 75% of this comic book was still, Way too exposition heavy. I guess it was paced a bit better because we we kind of flashed in with a little bit more uh, other characters, but you know, so it felt like it was moving more. But I think Jim Chung is given more to do too. Yeah, yeah. But there's, there's some nice splashy, you know, action sequences with the Rhino busting into Horizon University and Spider-Man on the spider cycles and stuff like that is fun. But I still feel like, you know, like, gun to your head, you have to describe what happened in this issue in 40 words or less. I'm totally making up rules as I go along here. Uh, It's like, you know, when you talk about what happened in this issue, what happened in this issue is the man in red is revealed as Ben Riley. But, like, in terms of, like, the actual plot of the clone clone conspiracy and what what new twist did we learn there's nothing we're 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 like we're still dealing with the fallout from two sections prior of what the hell is spider gwen from earth 65 doing here like we're still talking about that like like we're so past that now in terms of like a story where the stakes are supposed to be so high. Like why why are we still wasting space on so why are you here, Gwen from Earth sixty five? And, and I'm like, stop wasting my time. Like I I'm past it. 
Who cares at this point, right? <laughs> well, I mean, it's the whole structure of this thing is all wrong. Like we've been saying all the time, like we're get, like next issue, we're going to get why Ben is acting the way he is. And then the next clone conspiracy issue, Ben will tell Spider-Man that. Like the whole thing has been so poorly structured uh, in, in terms of how the reader gets the information before Spider-Man does – that we're constantly playing catch up. I, I I say that this issue is akin. I don't know if you've ever seen this, Mark, but there's this. Uh, I should have sent it to you before the before the uh, episode. Uh, there's this Monty Python flying circus sketch called the Bishop. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with this? I, I am not. Explain. Uh, so like in, in this sketch, uh, like it's done like as if you know, like an old Batman '66 kind of. Like the bishop is this superhero character. It's got these splashy titles, and it's literally just a bishop, you know. <laughs> and he, you know, has his bishop mobile, and they show up at these scenes of the crime while the crime is happening, and then the criminals get away. And he always says, "Oh, I was too late. Uh, there's nothing that we <laughs> could do." And the whole episode is just him going from scene to scene, always too late, and watching people die, and then being like, "Oh, I wish I could have done something." And that's the same thing as what Spider-Man does in this story. He just shows up late, and then people are like, here's what's going on. And he's like, okay, great. Uh, uh, or not great, I guess, in this instance. He's right, like, oh, that right. stinks. And you just wish he could be doing something. We're always talking about him not being you know, an active protagonist in his own story. And again, we're getting that here, although I think there's a great – moment in this issue where that turns around and that involves the kingpin. Um, and I, and I liked everything from that moment forward where the kingpin's like, Hey, I've been spying on the man in red. I know where he's going to be. Uh, if I tell you where he is, you'll owe me a favor. And then Spider-Man says, if I go and dispatch him, you owe me a favor. Uh, and I was like, all right, that's, that's the kind of attitude I want in this book. Yeah, it's it's the kind of attitude I want. I, I I that's an interesting scene, and I agree with you that that like that kind of caught my attention when it happened. But like, you know, I guess I'm still stuck on like, you know, we 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 brought the kingpin in in what clone conspiracy number one. He first showed up. Um, uh, he showed up in the free comic book day, uh, and then he showed up again in uh, I think one of the lead up issues to the clone. Conspiracy. That's what it is. Yeah. It was one of like the 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 prologue I issues. I think it was issue nineteen. Yeah, and and like I and hey, look, there's still time um, for for them to do this. But I guess my attitude is like you're 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 bringing in the kingpin and kind of like showing this inversion of the character in terms of like you know he's not just going to be the same old same old kingpin vis-a-vis spider-man but like it's still very passive and i'm like i'm i'm a little i you know one end i was like oh good it's great that spider-man's being assertive with the kingpin but it's like my attitude is like no like like why why are we teasing the kingpin here and still making him passive like i i want to see frank i i mean maybe i'm being overly over you know i'm being overzealous here but i want to see Frickin' Fisk and Spider-Man side by side, like, busting into New You. Like, that's what I thought – that's kind of where this should have been going, in my opinion. And it's like, oh, no. It's like, oh, oh you owe me a favor. I mean, I mean, talking about who owes who a favor, 
yeah, it's good to, good from a character standpoint to see Spider-Man kind of asserting himself, but like doesn't really add anything to the story. I mean, especially when, like you say, Spider-Man is still like a day late and a dollar short with all these things. Yeah, and then there's the moment where he's like, "I'm going to go take on the Man in Red myself. You got you go save Anna and and Kane to Spider Gwen." And she's like, "Okay, I guess so." And it's like, no, if your whole idea about communicating with Peter and not communicating with Peter was that um, you knew that he was going to turn, why would you allow him to go off and face this guy you know he's going to partner with by by himself? And I get it that Anna and Kane are kind of off doing – they need to be saved. But like, so great. Go send the kingpin there or you know, like go, <laughs> go call any one of the number of dozen other spider people to go and handle that. You know, right. but you can't right. let Peter partner with this guy if you know that that's the end of the world. Like, act like it. Right. Well, that's the thing, and 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 that's that's a great point that you made, and and that's I think my overarching issue with this comic book is that, you know, we we are told both in the title of this storyline and within the text of it itself that we are we are in a conspiracy, and and and. You know, these characters recognize that this is like, you know, going so many layers deep. It's like, you know, it would be like if a foreign government was interfering with American elections. I mean, how do you how do you cope with that? Uh, <laughs> how do you just ignore that? Um, <laughs> how do you just look past it and say, whatever? And and like you know, I don't and, know what you're referring to, Mark. Uh, no, I, I nor I. I mean, it's so preposterous. Um, and um, here we are. It's like Gwen breaks away from Peter to because it's like whatever. Kane is with new new uh, with Horizon Labs, and they're like, ah, let's just call the cops. Why did I think about that? Yeah, it's so simple. And then <laughs> it's like. What? <laughs> like, like you didn't, you didn't think that this might be an issue, like, like that this wouldn't run really deep, and then that you know, I don't like, have a problem with. Well, I, I, I do, but that's okay. We, we'll talk about uh, that in a moment. I mean, Kane strikes me as being like hyper paranoid and sensitive to everything, and yet he's just like, whatever. If you think that's cool, let's just call the cops because the cops. The cops will always solve these issues in comic books. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Haven't you read uh, a comic book before, Kane? <laughs> yeah, right? And then, like, I mean, like, this is, like, a little less scaled down, but, like, you have Anna Maria basically volunteering herself to go to New You, and, and you know, she's always, depending on the mood of Dan Slott when he's writing her, can kind of be gray or not gray. I mean, my attitude, it was like, she's going there because we need to have the inevitable Anna Maria Doc Ock interaction. And okay, fine. I guess that makes it interesting, but is that really organic? Eh, I'd say no. Yeah. I mean, I understand in the context of what slot was going for but yeah it doesn't really make a lot of sense no um, before we come back to the cops we get a yes. scene with doc ock he's got this kind of clone body with no mind in it um or i guess like it's not been genetically you know altered 
Uh, do you have any theories about – because clearly someone is going to get to live in that body. So someone is coming back from this arc. Who, who is it going to be? Oh, God. I haven't even been thinking. <laughs> I, bet, I bet it's going to be Ben Riley uh, because rumor is that Peter David is going to be writing a Ben Riley series coming out of this. God bless. God bless. As long as it doesn't involve the gypsies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Sorry. If you don't know what that is, go look up Peter David Gyp- and Gypsies. Uh, you'll have you'll be it, for quite a surprise. It's quite a surprise. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's, that just ground this show to the halt. <laughs> anyway, back to the cop. So you didn't like this scene? No, I, I, I felt, I felt it was very um, predictable and kind of relied on characters being stupid in order for it to play off. Because it's just like, you know, it. it, it you know, whenever the the solution seems to be too obvious, it's like, of course, it's too obvious. And 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 like, you know, to to preface this, I wasn't thinking going into before the scene, like, oh, they can't call, they can't possibly call the cops. But as they're all like over commenting on the fact of like, oh, why didn't we just do this in the first place? It's like you idiot. Of course, you didn't do it in the first place because like you were ha- you had a brain before then, and now you didn't because. You know, convenience storyline. <laughs> I don't. I don't mind it. I mean, I kind. I kind of like it. You don't have to mind it. it. Yeah, there you go. I thought that artistically, it was really kind of clever with the reveal in the background that she had been like dead before and came back. I thought that was fun, uh, like kind of subversion. I mean. I think it could have been a really good scene if we had ever met this cop before. Yeah, like, 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 wouldn't it have been, been cool if like the phone rings and it's like Gene the Wolf? Yeah, that would have been really cool, right? Now like, that you're like, saying that, I'm like, oh, that is the coolest thing I've ever heard. Like, oh yes, <laughs> Captain Deschmolf. <laughs> <laughs> and like the entire department is like, it's really good to see you again, Gene. How did you survive a gun blast <laughs> to the chest? Because Peter David didn't actually kill me because he's now writing me in the Ben Riley series with there the gypsies. Go. There you go. <laughs> the gypsies <laughs> revived me. <laughs> oh, oh man. Oh Dan, you're gonna you're gonna fire me from the show, I think. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I like I like the issues where we're not totally lockstep. <laughs> um so um <laughs> I'm just jumping around a little bit. Captain Stacy's a jerk, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, of course he is. <laughs> and it's just like, where did this character come from? I mean, this ain't the this ain't the Stan Lee John Ramita Captain Stacy, right? He was like the most chill police captain on earth. Yeah, he was like he was a very he was a father figure to Peter. But like, I think if this if if this was like his potential father in law. During the Lee Ramita years, I don't think Peter would have stuck it out with Gwen as long as he did. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah. man, I mean, I'm, I'm in too deep here. <laughs> I, I have to admit that I kind of, like, love the little moments where, like, 
the, all the villains are kind of crawling out of the new you hole to go into the city. Like, there's something really creepy about, like, the goblin saying, Bart reporting in. Like, right. like what? Bart Hamilton is just going to be wandering around New York City now? Like, there's something kind of creepy with that. And I just, I, I really wish they did more with it. And it makes me wonder about, like, uh, why was it decided to give, like, five, or I guess ten issues to this series because of the amazing Spider-Man? Like, it seems like there's so much more that could be done with this. But, I mean, but even in the five issues we have, nothing is being done with it. So, uh, you know, <laughs> what, what are you going to do? Right, right. I mean, you know, Dan, again, not to, not to not to belabor it, but, like, you know, one of my biggest disappointments, too, is is – what we're getting with Gwen, like Gwen Gwen here. I mean, like I, I was, I was totally locked in, ready to give, give this a chance after that first issue, Cloak Conspiracy with kind of the, the reimagining of Amazing Spider-Man number 121, the death of Gwen issue. And, you know, I mean, to me, that's one of the biggest disappointments is we've gotten nothing from that since like, like, Gwen has been such a bystander, you know, beyond Earth six five Gwen, which I don't even think is needed in this in this storyline. Like we have Gwen. Like why do you need Spider Gwen? You know? Like <laughs> like like I want I want to see Gwen Gwen. Like what 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 is this new information that we got about Gwen actually mean? And nobody wants to tell that story. And that to me that's a bummer. I think I think that's the big thing about all this is like like story beat wise there's a lot of opportunity here to do a really cool story and if you told me like okay like uh you know all everybody's coming back from the dead and and Ben is behind bringing back people from the dead I would be like that's a cool idea I just think in execution this book just is not worked at all and and I don't know what what happened, you know, that that these ideas that Dan Slott has just – they're cool. They just never – they're never borne out in any way that's satisfying. Yeah, because I, I mean just from our experience reading comics that he's been a part of and I think our experience talking to other people who have worked with him, Dan – you know, unfortunately, I think Dan Slott is what we hear consistently. He's an idea man, and and that's great. But not that anybody can be an idea man. No, not anybody can be an idea man. But like coming up with ideas is just half the battle. You know, like you gotta like execute, like you say, execute these ideas. Oh, and it's, it's secondary to the execution. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, like, like. You know, I can sit here and like, yeah, this is what we're going to do over the next year of Spider-Man. We should have a story about this and a story about that and a story about that. And that seems to be what his specialty is. But like when it actually comes to getting to brass tacks and laying it out and talking and, and figuring out what makes sense and what how to lay it out, I, I you know, he's had his he's had moments. I mean, Spider-Island, Superior. We talked about that at length, but beyond that, like they're just ideas, they're fragments, they're fragments that that you know 
we attempt to make into fully fleshed out ideas and they're not there. And, and, and that is when it happens with this level of frequency, you, you, you can't just say, Oh, it's, you know, it's just one bad story or it's just one bad issue. I mean, this is, this is, this is who's writing Spider-Man, you know? And, and I don't know if it's not for me or, you know, if like, if there are other people who just, Love it and think it's great. I, I, you know, I take nothing away from you. I, I, I said that to somebody on Twitter the other day because they were like really sad that I wasn't liking Clone Conspiracy. And I was like, I take nothing away from you. If you like it, good, good for you. This isn't for me. But this is, this is who is writing these comics right now. I think it's someone who just has ideas and, you know, they're an idea man, but like, you could have a million pitches, but I, I want to see more than pitches. I want to see a fully fleshed out idea that I really can sink my teeth into, and we're not getting that. Well, and, I'm, I, I agree with you, but I, I, I'm going to con- resolve myself to continue uh, <laughs> being optimistic towards the – I'm not saying that you're not, but because I think <laughs> we all enter every comic hoping it's great. Yeah. Um, oh, Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's nothing that makes my week better than opening an issue of Amazing Spider-Man and really loving it. Um, uh, I'm going to head into the second half of this optimistic and hopeful that like this issue was a turning point for this book. And I think it could be. Um, uh, we've seen stories get better in the end. We've definitely seen them get worse too. But I would say even Spider Island, three issues in, I would said, yeah, it's good. It only it didn't get great. great until the end. That's true. That's uh, absolutely true. So, you know, let's see where this roller coaster goes. Um, but I think my big thing about this is it's a good idea and maybe a good story even. Just I think editorially executed poorly in terms of guiding Dan Slot to lay this out in a different way. Um, yeah, because and, and I mean, like, sorry. Continue. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, because I was going to say, like, in terms of, like, laying it out and everything, I mean, like, you know, let's not gloss over, like, where we end up in this issue of, and, you know, we, we alluded to this in the beginning of the episode that, um, you know, it seems to be the the plot twist that gets Peter, you know, it's like, why why would Peter align himself with the man in red and unleash the carry-on virus on the world and et cetera, et cetera. And it's Uncle Ben. It's bringing back Uncle Ben. And like, like to me, like that is so predictable and so eye rolling at this point. It's like, like, I don't know. Yeah, of course, Peter's guilt over Uncle Ben is the thing that he'll never get over and never move on from. But like, you know, is he really going to like risk a zombie apocalypse to deal with it? I don't know. We'll find out. I would say we'll probably find out. not because this, the world doesn't <laughs> needs to move past the carry-on virus attack. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, you know, uh, yeah, <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to forget that we really enjoyed the three issues leading into this series and even the first issue of this series. Just where things started to go off the rails for us was the minute – that amazing Spider-Man started telling the backup stories. Yes. Uh, it just ground this whole thing to a halt. Um, 
Now, the next issue of Amazing Spider-Man is going to be telling a backup story I'm actually interested in. Um, so right. I, I, I'm hopeful that that story is really good because um, it's kind of the backbone of this whole reveal. Um, so we'll see. All right, Dan. You got a grade? Yeah. I was going to go higher, but after talking to you, Mark. Which... <laughs> <laughs> after hearing you take a crap on it. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to give it a C plus. All right, I'm going C minus. All right, all right. All right, Dan, why don't you uh, tell us about the Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club? Stand a little straighter, walk a little prouder, be an innovator, laugh a little louder, joke around the trader, we can show you how to swing. Dan here with a brief interruption to our regularly scheduled program. I wanted to remind everyone of the Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club, where you can become a patron of our show to help us continue producing the show every week. Today we're doing a giveaway to one of our members, a copy of the hardcover collection of The Death of Gene DeWolf, signed by none other than writer Peter David. And the lucky member to get the book is none other than Tim Peterson, So thanks for supporting the show, Tim, and be sure to check your mailbox for the book. Anyway, be sure to check out our fan club by clicking on the support button on superiorspidertalk.com. You can win books like the one we just gave away today. Anyway, back to the show. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Spins a web any size, catches thieves just like flies. Look out, here comes the Spider-Man. All right, Dan, thanks for that. And, uh, you know, we had a, a trailer drop for Spider-Man Homecoming. And, uh, you know, it was about two minutes long. So we'll we'll spend probably about ten minutes talking about it. <laughs> Uh, uh, Dan, what were, I mean, do you have some overall impressions? I, I, I got the sense from your Facebook feed that you weren't as, uh, high on it as I was. Yeah. I mean, I saw people proclaiming that this was the best trailer that they've ever seen. Well, that uh, is silly, but yeah, that is, that is silly. Um, yeah, I, there's things I liked a lot in this trailer, but I think my like muted and meh reaction comes mainly from that I don't really know what to take away from this trailer. I don't you know, I watch like the, the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer and it and it really tells you like this is a story about you know, like a group of misfits coming together to save the world, you know? Right. Watching this trailer, I don't really know what the idea of this movie is. I wasn't sold on this is a new Spider-Man and this is what we're trying to do with him. I don't have a sense of Peter's world. The only thing I really got from this was like, okay, we got a glimpses of all the things I want to see. And 
Tony Stark is friends with Spider-Man. And that's not something that I'm particularly interested in. And right. so it didn't move the dial for me. Yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying, and I don't fully disagree with you. I mean, for me, like, if I had one overarching criticism of the trailer was that there was way too much Robert Downey Jr. in it for my liking. Um, but at the same token, I guess where I, I disagree with you is that, to me, this this trailer, both from a marketing standpoint and then just from watching it and my takeaway of, I mean, it, it, it set out to do two things that I felt it accomplished, which was that, you know, it set up like, you know, think, think, think of the casual fan. And I hate to be that way, but you know, I have a book that's being marketed to them. So I have to think it's the casual fan. <laughs> well, I mean, this was definitely aimed at the casual fan. Yeah. I mean, Tony Stark like, is there for that reason. Exactly. It's, it's, you know, like, oh, there's a new Spider-Man movie. Why the bleep do I need? Why do we need a new Spider-Man movie? Oh, wait, the Avengers are in this movie. Oh, my God. There's never been the Avengers in a Spider-Man movie. And it, it, it lays it. It beats you over the head with that. And and like that's what I mean, you know, for better or for worse, that is what this new Spider-Man is about. It's the Marvel Cinematic Universe Spider-Man who can talk with Tony Stark and make jokes about the Hulk. I mean, that's it's right there for you. And um, so there is that. And I feel like the, you know, mission accomplished there. And, you know, the other thing that they really, you know, from the get go talked about doing was like, you know, this is this is John Hughes high school Spider-Man, you know, who and again, there were people who were like, what's he's. He's basically ganky, but it's Ned Leeds, apparently. Well, although we don't know that. <laughs> well, I think that's who that actor is playing. Well, that's what they've said, but they've never confirmed it. Okay. So, team, team buddy of Peter Parker. Right. Who is not ganky, but maybe not Ned Leeds, but, but, but whatever. It, but is ganky. Let's be real. Yes, that's totally based on ganky from Miles Morales. But, like... The bigger point is that, I mean, all of the interviews with um, the cast and crew of this movie has been like, oh, we want this to be Breakfast Club meets Spider-Man. And I totally got that from this trailer. Uh, I know you're not a John Hughes fan, Dan. I'm not. <laughs> I do like the Breakfast Club, though. Okay. Uh, I just hate all of his other movies <laughs> with an undying passion. That, then um, that's – and, you know – Hey, I didn't go to film school, so I don't know. <laughs> it's not even about that. It's like just the – like he has a whole movie that like basically champions date rape. You know, like I, like, I just I – <laughs> Which know one is that? The, I know it was the 80s, but it doesn't mean it's okay. Is that Pretty in Pink or is that uh, uh, 16, 16 Candles? 16 Candles, yeah. Okay. Um, Sorry. And, and, and to that point, um, you know, like – and I'm not saying that this Genki character is Long Duck Dong because we've not seen <laughs> enough of him. But like right. reading Genki on the page works for me. And I, again, I'm not pre. I don't want to prejudge this, but I could. I already feel a little awkward about seeing the like movie trope of like the kind of like aloof Asian best friend, um, which is a which is a John Hughes staple. Um, 
but like just seeing it on the screen, I was like, oh, this this feels very different seeing this on the screen. That's not to say it's going to be bad. It just it's just a feeling I had. As long um, as it's not Mickey Rooney playing it, right? Right, right exactly. <laughs> um, uh, back, I, I, I guess I'm excited about Genki. It's fine. Um, I, I do think it's weird, though, because I think, you know, 20 years down the line, over 10 years down the line, when they want to move on from Spider-Man to Miles Morales, which would be a smart move, they're not going to be able to do Genki, which I, I think is a key part of that, what makes that series interesting. Um, Unless, like, well, right. Ned Leeds is, like, eternally youthful. But at that point, he'll have Harry Osborn. Right, exactly. <laughs> Just to mess with you. <laughs> um, back to your first point about the Avengers thing. Um, I'm fine with it. I just don't really get why Marvel is so damn conservative about the advertising of some of their movies. Like, why they feel the need to keep selling you on the Marvel universe. It's like, we got it. You launched... Doctor Strange and Guardians of the Galaxy and their top box office grossing movies. You know, like you don't need to like convince the casual person to like Marvel much less Spider-Man. Yeah, but we've had five Spider-Man movies, including two that were relatively unsuccessful. And I, I, I feel like, again, to the casual fan... Like, I mean, I'm talking about many iterations removed from us, Dan. Yeah. It's like, why should, why, why should they care? Yeah. And, and that's why they should care. This is, this is what's different. And, and I think that they desperately needed to drive that home because otherwise it's like, why isn't that guy from the, the social network doing these movies, you know? And, (laughs) and where is. Where's the girl from La La Land? Not that they would have seen La La Land, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> These but casual people have really seen some good art house movies. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> I know what you mean. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I felt like the, those people saw him in Civil War and were already sold on him, but per, perhaps no. not. Yeah, I don't know about that. You know, I, if I you mean, you care like, about Robert Downey Jr. all that much, haven't you seen Civil War? Yes, but but it's like still at that point, you, you know, the percentage of fans that pay attention to the 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 bureaucracy of this, the level that we do, Dan, is like what, like point one percent? Yeah. I mean, you know, most people are just like, oh, he's in Civil War. Why wasn't he in the other movies? You know, <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and um, I imagine, I imagine that like. Whatever bureaucracy made that happen is Sony also like putting their like thumb on the scale saying if we're giving you Spider-Man and it's still our Spider-Man, like we need to see as much Tony Stark and the Marvel Cinematic Universe as possible in this trailer so that we can get the most out of this deal. Right. Because I mean – I mean my humble prediction, Dan, is that what we saw of these characters, these being non-Spider-Man characters – um, in the trailer, it's probably give or take a few minutes the extent of what we're going to see in the finished product. Yeah, Do you disagree with prob- that? You're probably right. Um, and, and I want to, um, I, I agree with you. And I, if there is a plot that I took away from this that made me feel really positively about it, is that there seems, at least to me, and may, maybe maybe you got this too, Mark. 
that they're going back to like Amazing Spider-Man number one, the comic, and Amazing mm-hmm. Spider-Man annual number three, the comic, where he tries to join the Fantastic Four and the Avengers and ends up making like a jerk of himself. The yes. Washington, D.C., you know, Washington Monument thing where he says like, this is my chance to show them. And then later on in the trailer, he says, I hate that he keeps referring to me, treats me like a kid. Um implies to me that maybe we will get some of that jerky young Spider-Man where he kind of gets in over his head in terms of trying to prove himself as a, you know, as someone while everyone ignores him. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, just a couple other big takeaways for me for this movie was like, I mean, first of all, you know, going back to the opening scene of the trailer with where he shows up at the bank robbery, like, I mean, to me, the sense of humor of that scene is spot on what I would want from a Spider-Man movie. I mean, yeah. like, like, I mean, that's, that's the, that's the humor right there. You know, like you're not the Avengers. The Hulk gave it away. I mean, like that was like, I legitimately laughed at that. Yeah. I, I was smiling I was, a huge smile. Yeah. And what did you think uh, of the action there? Because I, I, uh, I was pointed out to me by Kyle Kreiss, uh, who does our spectacular spider snark comic. And he put a really funny comic making fun of this is that Tom Holland has said that throughout the movie, Spider-Man never throws a punch. Um, did you notice that watching this? I didn't notice that. That's interesting. He like redirects the other people like into each other. Like, and uses his webs, but he never punches anyone. Uh, that'll be really odd to see, I think. But maybe it'll be done in a way that you never even notice it. I mean, I guess for me, and I, I, I was going to talk about this on a positive level, was I liked how he used his webs. I liked how, and I don't feel like we saw this in an action sequence in a Spider-Man movie before. I liked how he jumped on the ceiling upside down. That's true. Like like a Spider-Man, like a spider we did see that somewhat in the first Amazing Spider-Man where he fought the lizard on the ceiling of the high school. Yes. And that was really cool. I mean, if whoever did the animation in, in those movies does the fight animation in this movie, I, I would be cool with that. Because if they nailed one thing in those movies, it was how Spider-Man moved in action. Right, right. I mean, I guess that's what it was. It was. Uh, I guess I'm thinking more in terms of the Raimi movies. Yeah. Um. Where the only stuff he did upside down was make out with Mary Jane. That's fine too. Which is a great scene. <laughs> it's an all-time classic scene. But yeah. like I, I like from an action sequence, I was like, yeah, that's that's Spider-Man doing things like that. Um, and what did you, what was your takeaway from the Vulture? In I this thought it looked, I thought it looked great. Yeah, and I, I and like to me Michael Keaton. Because let's face it, the. I think consistently across the board, the villains are always the weak point of these Marvel productions, whether it's movies, TVs, whatever, right? And, you know, we don't know for certain what the Vulture's finished product is going to be, but like, like, you know, like that one thing where he's like, I'm going to kill everyone who means something to you. And then like, you see like the Staten Island ferry scene at the end of the trailer. It's like, you know, like this guy's going to be menacing, you know, like it seems like, like this guy's, this guy means business and, and, and I'll be curious to see. And, you know, I, I like how like Stark refers to him as the mon- the flying monster. 
Yeah. Did I'm you? Like, oh, don't worry about that flying. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was. You go. <laughs> Did you see uh, the international trailer that featured the Shocker? I just saw a clip of him. Is there more of him in the international trailer, or uh, a little bit more of him? Yeah, you see Bookham Woodbine with the gauntlet. Um, and, oh, okay. And a fight with Spider-Man in like the uh, an ex- a little more of an extension of the fight with him in the schoolyard with the buses. Um, okay. And what I thought was interesting is that the gauntlets and that device that they, the bank robbers use in the beginning to kind of tear open the safe, um, they look like Chituari-like alien tech. Mm. Um, and I know the Tinkerer is going to be in this movie. So I wonder if it's kind of – he takes some like Stark tech and the Chituari stuff with the blue, purple, glowy stuff and is merging them together to create these items. I like the idea that that tech is still kind of – Hanging around. We see a little bit of it in the Luke Cage show. Um, but I like mm. the idea that the alien weaponry is kind of giving these street thugs a little more, you know, oomph to their to their power. And that's who Spider-Man right. is fighting. Did you finish Luke Cage? Uh, I'm only half done with it. Okay. Did you finish it? <laughs> I did. I did. I, I, I'm, not a, I'm not the hugest fan of it. But. Yeah, I think it's okay. I'm having a hard time pushing forward. Yeah. No, that that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> um, anything else on the trailer that like really called out to you? No, that's really it. I mean, I think we kind of covered it all. Um, I mean, it seems like Liz Allen is going to be the romantic interest in this. Yeah, but I liked how Zendaya was kind of like the. Uh, it's a, it's a totally a John Hughes trope. Although I'm trying to put my finger on the trope, like like the the kind of outcasts kid that probably ends up being the hot kid. Yeah, exactly. So like, I mean, I could very well see, you know, and you could put this one on the record now alongside my Norman Osborn prediction. Uh, I could see <laughs> Peter showing up at homecoming. Cause God knows that this movie is going to end at the homecoming dance. Right. Um, I could see him showing up at homecoming and Zendaya comes in all made up. Maybe she dyes her hair red. And she's right. Mary Jane, although she is uh, – she recently said that she's not a romantic interest in this film, but that doesn't mean that she's not Mary Jane. Right, right. Uh, but I could certainly see that being like the end of the movie with her saying face it, tiger, something, and then cutting to black. You know, like right, that, that right. could be – if that's the final shot, I said it now, and if it's not the final shot, just forget I said anything. <laughs> And, and just to your original point, Liz Allen was kind of like the love interest in the um, spectacular Spider-Man cartoon from a few years back. So, or even not, an amazing not, Spider-Man number one, if that's what it's going to be influenced by. That's very true. Um, no, I, 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 like I said, I, I, I have my issues with the trailer, but overall, I think this is what it needed to be, and. Yeah, I, I, I do think there were some superlatives given to it where I was just like, all right, let's not go crazy. Like like someone I know who's a big Spider-Man fan that I follow on Facebook says something to the tune of, I, you know, I, I, I haven't been able, I've been crying ever since I've seen that trailer, like Tears of Joy. And I'm like, okay, calm down. <laughs> well, the, the, here's the thing. Like, people said that about the trailer for Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 as well. You know, like, those trailers but, look great. 
I don't want to. I never. I never said that. Oh come on, those trailers look great. I never liked the second one, and you 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 were there for that one. I said, eh. All right, all right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember that specifically, but I don't remember either way, so I'll let you have it. I don't know. I I I I might have cried a little bit when the first Raimi trailer dropped. All right, all right. Granted, granted that got changed dramatically because it had the World Trade Center in it. But uh, yeah, right. And then any, from then on, Spider Man will become a patriotic hero. Uh, hey, hey, who's gonna come through us first? If you're gonna take out Spider Man, because we're real New Yorkers together and Americans, we'll move the cranes for him. <laughs> all right, Dan. Let's let's go home. All right. Well, of course, you can find all of our new Amazing Spider Talk and old Superior Spider Talk podcasts at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com or find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and YouTube by searching Amazing Spider Talk. And if you do, please be sure to leave us a review. And additionally, be sure to check out our brother podcast, The Ultimate Spin, if you want to keep up with the adventures of Miles Morales and Spider-Gwen Stacy. Mark, uh, next week we're going to be talking about our next essential Spider-Man story. Uh, What should the listeners read before joining our discussion? I would recommend they read Peter Parker, Spider-Man number 35 by uh, Paul Jenkins and Mark Buckingham, also known as Heroes Don't Cry. Um, Because, you know, we might talk about that issue or maybe we'll talk about something else. No, we're going (laughs) to talk about that issue, Mark. Oh, okay. Yes, that's the issue. Yes, because it's my pick. (laughs) It is. It is. So, yeah, check out that great story and, uh, and join us next uh, Sunday, Monday-ish. Yes. Yeah. Give or take. It'll be Sunday night. <laughs> and, Diane, where can I find you on the interweb? Yeah, you can find me uh, online at, at Dan Gavazin on Twitter or at Sup Spider Talk, which, let's be real, that's, that's the one I use. And yeah. I need to stop inserting this kind of – addendum to to this because (laughs) let's be real anyway so there's that and then superiorspidertalk.com i'm still doing some work here and there uh i wrote my reactions to the trailer you can check it out there in more detail all right what about yourself well yeah you 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 can of course find me on superiorspidertalk.com where i'm writing again and just making the site a great place to be because i mean not that everyone else isn't great but it's just I make a great thing greater, right, Dan? You're making SuperiorSpiderTalk.com great again. I'm making it so great. So great. It's the greatest. It's sad that other people don't see how great it is when I'm there. All right. Um, but, uh, yeah, Lost Gems are, are in action through the month of December. We're, we're two installments in, four to go. Will I actually make it through December by getting all four in? That's that's for you to decide. That's people. The, that is the real cliffhanger here. <laughs> and I even wrote a new issue review for Clone Conspiracy number three, uh, which made some people upset with me because you know why don't I love comics with Ben Riley in it? I think but more I'm there. people were on your side, Mark. The comments lit up on that one. Well, the comments did, but uh, my my Twitter my Twitter feed said otherwise, Dan. Okay, all right. Well, Mark, you know we've talked a lot about your clone recently and how he's always getting Uncle Ben into trouble that seems to inadvertently cause his death. But uh, have you and your clone ever worked together to bring Uncle Ben back from the dead? Oh man, have we tried to bring him back? I mean, you know, I mean, 
God, there was that time with the monkeys and the the face eating, which, you know, we tried to bring him back from that. And you don't want to see what he looked like for that. And, um, you know, this this the time with the uh, wasn't there like he had like an ice cream or something and some stuff happened. I, I can't even remember anymore. Like, I mean, he's just gone up and down so many times. But, you know, OK, there was this one time where my clone came back and it, it was after my Uncle Ben got. Um, killed by Jimmy the Elbow. Oh. Um, yeah, because, you know, here's the thing. I mean, you know, he just kind of got elbowed repeatedly to his face. Um, but it didn't leave quite as much as of a mark. It wasn't like, you know, Glenn in The Walking Dead getting Lucille to his face. Um, you Spoilers know, you for know. The Walking Dead. Oh, Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Anyway, um, so, um, you know, we, my, my clone came back, was like, let's, let's, let's bring him back. And I was like, fine. Okay. He, he, he doesn't look like a monster here. Um, and, uh, you know, we, 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 we did some revivals and, you know, magic potions and secret scrolls and all that. And, um, you know, Uncle Ben's back and we're, we had some wheat cakes. It was great. But, like, as he was, like, eating the wheat cakes, he kept, like, wielding his elbows in all these, like, wacky directions. I'm like, oh, man, what are you, what, what are you doing? Like, what's going on? And he's like, I, I don't know. It's like, you know, give me my pills, Mark. So I gave him his pills, and he has his pills. And there he goes again with the, with the elbows. He's just throwing elbows everywhere. He looks like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar getting a rebound, flinging some elbows around. And, um, you know... <laughs> He like whacks my aunt May with an elbow, and she's just down for the count. And and I'm just like, what are you doing, Uncle Ben? You killed Aunt May with your elbow. Like, I thought like, he just like, knocked her out. He killed her. He killed her. He killed her. It's like, like, how do you live with that guilt, Uncle Ben? And he was like, I can't live with that guilt. Um, you're going to have to stop giving me my pills and I'm going to have to become a carry-on virus and, you know, either infect the world or die. I, I, you know, we'll have to wait two more issues to find out what exactly happens. I thought he just uh, became incontinent when he didn't take his pills. Well, there's that too. <laughs> you can call your doctor if, uh, you know, be, start throwing elbows after taking your pills. If your clone, uh, if your clone lasts for more than four hours. <laughs> You call your doctor. Right. Um, you know, Dan, you're making light of a serious situation. Like, you know, what happens when you get killed by a mobster who is known as Jimmy the Elbow and then you start throwing elbows? Um, so my, my Uncle Ben, bemoaning the death of my Aunt May, says, Oh, these elbows also with great podcasts must also come amazing spider talk.